Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Church London catch-up service. Thank you so much for joining us. We have a passion to present Jesus to London and would love for you to be part of the adventure. So why not say hello to us by visiting our website manualchurchlondon.org so we can get back to you and say a bit more of a personal hello. We are in um, the final week of our Walk in the Light sermon series, and we've covered a lot of ground over the last two slash three months or so. And today I want to start us with a question, a thought experiment, if you like, a moment of individual reflection. So here we go. Um, Close your eyes if 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 that helps you kind of concentrate and not kind of zone out what's going on in the room. I'm going to ask you a question. What is your vision of success? I want you to think about that for a moment. What is your vision of success? What does the good life, what is a good life, successful life, what does a good life look like for you? I want you to have a think about that. Ten seconds. What is your vision of success? Okay, so hopefully you've all got there. How much of what you just envisioned, what you just thought about in your head of the good life, of what success looks like, how much of it requires you to have a lot more money than you currently have? Put your hand up if that was the case. Okay, so there was a few of you. I'll be honest, when I asked myself that question, that's the sort of place that my mind kind of almost instinctively goes to and I have to wrestle back from. My mind goes to a bigger house. My mind goes to a nicer car with fewer dents in it. My mind goes to holidays on you know, faraway beaches with white sand and little drinks with umbrellas in them. My mind goes to eating at posh restaurants with stars above the door, that kind of place. That's where my mind goes. And I, don't, I wasn't alone. I, don't think, I wasn't expecting to be alone either. And yet, and yet, Scripture warns us over and over again about the dangers of money. That money can be dangerous for your spiritual health. We all know Jesus said things like, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. (laughs) Jesus is good at that kind of thing, isn't he? Just dropping bombs. And I'm I'm not saying, I'm not going to start this by saying that money is in and of itself evil, right? In scripture, we are told to use money to do good things. That's what the Bible says. Things like provide for your family. Jesus, Ben's already told us Jesus on the cross he provided for his mum even in that moment the Bible tells us to work hard and provide for our families to work hard and provide for our own financial futures 1 Timothy 6 it says uh, enjoy the good things that, that money can buy that's a good thing to do so money isn't evil in and of itself we all know that but throughout the Bible and throughout the teaching of Jesus there is a warning there is a warning that if you love money 
If, if money is the, is the source of your significance, the source of your security, the source of your identity, if you elevate money into a position that it should not have in your life, if you unthinkingly walk down a path towards greed, if you do that, you will be walking in the dark. It will be dangerous for your spiritual health. It will be dangerous for your faith in God. And so today we're going to be looking at the topic of generosity over greed. Walking in generosity over greed. And to do that, we're going to, it's going to be really simple. We're going to be looking at Number one, why money can be dangerous, why money can be dangerous, why it can so easily lead us to walk down paths that are full of darkness, and two, how do we walk in the light? Why it can be dangerous, and how do we instead walk into the light? So, let's get stuck into our passage for today. It's in Matthew 6, verses 19 to 24. If you have your Bibles with you on your phone, it will be helpful for you to to have open the Bible in front of you. The words will be on the screen, but I don't know how long they'll be on there. So it says this, Matthew 6, 19 to 24. This is Jesus speaking. This is Jesus talking to us, right? He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. That's Jesus. So it's so in what we've just read, right? We've got some of the most critical, the most important, the most significant teachings from Jesus on the topic of money. Paragraph one, he's saying, don't focus on earthly treasure because it doesn't last very long. Focus instead on heavenly treasure, which will last forever. That's paragraph one. Paragraph three, he says, God is a better master than money. So paragraph one, paragraph three. And in between those two paragraphs, he starts talking about, in two verses, about eyes and lamps and light and dark. And so you've got to ask yourself, why, why is this verse about eyes and lamps and light and dark sandwiched in between two clear statements on money? Have you ever thought about that? I think it's because it helps us understand the essence of what Jesus is trying to teach us about money in those surrounding verses. This little phrase about seeing correctly, having a good vision, focusing on the right things, not the wrong things, I think it's in there because money has an unrivaled ability to distort our vision of reality. Money has an unrivaled ability to distort our vision of reality, of what is true. And because of that distortion, it can lead us to walk in darkness. And that's why money is so dangerous. So let's, let's unpack how money distorts our vision of reality by digging into these verses. The first way that money leads us down dark paths and, turn, and distorts our vision of reality is by turning our vision of reality upside down. 
money can turn our vision of reality upside down if we let it. My instinctive answer to that question that I asked at the beginning was houses, cars, holidays, nice, nice places to eat. I wasn't alone in that. And I knew I wouldn't be alone in answering like that because our culture and, and our city, the cultural water that we swim in every day, leads us to that conclusion every single day. The people who are held up in our, in our society, in our city, as being successful are people who have succeeded in those ways. That is the message that is preached at us every day from our city, from our workplaces, from our culture, from everywhere. All of it preaches to us every day that accumulating more stuff, accumulating more, is the path to life success and fulfillment and happiness. Billboards, advertising, social media, influences, whatever it is, all of it preaches the same message. And the underlying assumption of those messages that are fired at us every single day is the idea that the material world is all that we have. That's the underlying assumption of every single one of them, every single piece of it. The material world is all you have. That your life here on earth is the be-all and end-all. That's the ball game. That's the assumption that sits behind our materialistic world. But Jesus comes along and he says, you've got your vision of reality upside down. All that stuff that you've put your hope in, all that earthly treasure that your heart so desires, your vision of success in the good life, all of it will be eaten by moths and destroyed by rust. All of it. And implicit in what Jesus is saying is that human beings, far from just being kind of material people, are eternal beings. Humanity is made for eternity. The reality of the human condition is not merely that you're on a ball of rock that's spinning through the, through the universe and you get 80-odd years, if you're lucky, before you turn to dust. Instead, Jesus is telling us that every man and every woman is fitted for eternity, made for eternity, that eternity will either be spent separated from, from the God of all light and goodness and love or in perfect relationship with that God through Jesus. Implicit in what Jesus is teaching us about money is that human beings are made to enjoy a perfect eternity with God, that this earthly life is not all there is, that that is your reality. And therefore, if that is true, the pursuit of earthly treasure that rusts and gets eaten by moths and that thieves can steal and that means nothing in the face of eternity makes zero sense. It doesn't make any sense according to what Jesus is teaching us. And yet the money and the wealth and the materialism of our world so often turns our vision of reality completely upside down to what Jesus is telling us. It's like Jesus, some of you work in finance, right? It's like Jesus is the ultimate investment advisor and we're just ignoring him. He's saying, guys, the market for earthly goods and treasure, it is going to crash, 100%. I guarantee it will crash and you're going to end up with nothing. He's saying, don't invest your money. Don't invest your heart in earthly treasure. You will lose it all. Instead, store up your treasure in heaven because the returns are awesome. The returns are amazing. Jesus is like, 
and heavenly investment advisor. Amazing, right? Right, next bit. I'm going to try and bring this to life a little bit. See how this goes. Ah, here we go. So, got my trusty rope. Randy Alcorn. Yeah, I bring this to rope. <laughs> to work, yeah. I want, what I want you to do is I want you to pass this rope up towards the top of the screen. I've basically bought the longest rope that I could find. I want to see if it reaches the back. Can you, can you do that? Can you start just passing it back up there, right? Here we go. So, let's see how far we get. Randy Alcorn is an amazing American name of an American writer and pastor. And he, in order to, in order to communicate this message that Jesus tells us, in order to get us understanding this message, he talks about a line and a dot. Living for a line and living for a dot. This rope, imperfectly, oh, it's really, it's really long. This rope, imperfectly, I didn't think it would reach the back. Bought a massive rope. This rope, imperfectly, illustrates eternity, right? I looked for an eternal rope on Amazon. They didn't have one. This was the longest one that we could get. The white part of this rope is your eternal destiny. Is your eternal destiny stretching out before you that you will spend in glory and light and perfect relationship with a loving God through Jesus or in eternal darkness and separation from him? And obviously, if this was a perfect illustration, it would just keep going. It would just stretch on and on. And this green bit here, which I put, you know, gaffer tape on, this green bit here is the dot. This is the line, this is the dot. And this dot represents your life here on earth. This is your eternal life, and this is your life here on earth. And what money and wealth and materialism want you to do, what our possessions, what our culture, every prime day, every billboard, Every advertising exec, every algorithm wants you to do is focus on the dot. Think about the dot. Worry about the dot. Obsess over the dot. Lose sleep over the dot. We are told all of our lives that the most important thing in life is to accumulate wealth. Accumulate as much as you possibly can that we cannot take beyond this dot. And Jesus comes along and he says, guys, that vision of reality is upside down. You've got it completely the wrong way up. And he warns us what is happening. That our vision of reality is being like, like distorted by money. And he says, don't lay up treasures on earth. Lay up treasures in heaven because that lasts a lot longer and the returns are a lot better. He's saying, guys, if your treasure is on the dot, on earth, you will spend every day of your life moving away from your treasure. Did you know that? If your treasure is here, you will spend every day of your life moving away from your treasure. But if your treasure is in heaven, 
if your treasure is in heaven with your Father, if that's where you put your treasure, you will spend every day of your earthly life moving towards your treasure. Don't live for the, li- don't live for the dot. Live for the line. Don't live for today and the, and the, and the money that, that can, you can get now, but live for your eternal treasure in heaven with your Father. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, live for the line. Live, not live for the dot. So that's the first way that money distorts our vision of reality by trying to, to get ourselves to, to look at things upside down, get our vision of reality upside down, to live for the dot, not live for the line. The second way is that money wants to be a master that blinds you, a master that blinds you with lies. Later on uh, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is telling a parable called the parable of the sower. You probably know it. And he's talking about the seed of the word of God being sown into different situations. And he gives a picture of sowing the seed, the word of God, amongst thorns and thistles. And he explains that this is a picture of someone who hears the word of God. And then the thorns and thistles, which are representative of riches and wealth, choke the word of God out of that person through deceitfulness, through lies. He's personifying money and wealth and he's saying it, will, it can choke the word of God out of you. And here in Matthew 6, again, he's personifying money and he's saying if you let it, money will become your master. It wants to become your master. It desires your obedience. It wants to enslave you. And it does that through blinding you with lies. Lies that mean your vision of reality becomes distorted, and you end up walking in the dark. Let me give you just one example of a lie that money tells us to blind us and to lead us to walk in the darkness. And this is the lie that I am particularly tended and inclined to believe, right? And it's the lie that money gives you security. Money gives you security. I'm not really a a status guy. I'm not really a guy who's tempted to to believe that money will give me uh, things like approval or significance or status. That's not really my thing. For some people, that's that's your fight. That's the lie that will come to you. But for me, it's the lie that money will make me safe, that money will make me secure. That's the lie that money will try and get me with. And, And like all the best lies... This lie has a, has a kernel of truth right in the middle of it, right? Money can make you more secure in some ways. If you have enough money to know that food will be on your table at the end of the day and a roof over your head and clothes on your back, money is providing a level of security. So that's true. But the lie that I'm tempted to believe is that money will provide me with ultimate security. That if I have money, I can be in control that I can keep my family safe, that I can protect myself from from all of the fragility that I see in this crazy world around us. And what happens when, when we swallow that lie is that we become increasingly blinded to truth. And we head down a path of darkness to where money becomes our functional master. Our decisions and how we live our life starts to be shaped by our obedience to the master of money rather than by God. For example, where we decide to live can start to become decided by the master of money, not the purposes and mission of God through us and in us. 
or the job that we do, I've been here, <laughs> will be defined by our ability to maximize our income, not by whether it glorifies God, not by whether it's helpful to you in your pursuit of Jesus, in your own personal walk of faith, not by whether it's a net positive for your community and for your neighborhood, or how we conduct ourselves in our jobs will be defined by our master money. We might end up doing things, doing whatever it takes to, to stand on whoever we need to stand on, cut corners wherever we need to cut corners, cover our eyes and hold our noses when we are asked to do things that we just don't think are right, ungodly practices, untruthful products, things that won't actually be any good for people, all in pursuit of our master money. We might work longer and harder than we know that we should and get less rest than we know that we should, giving up time with the people that God has given us to care and love for and love, all because our master money demands us to, to pour ourselves out in order to get more, all because we have been blinded with the lie that money can provide us with ultimate security. And as you walk down that path, we have gone further and further into darkness and poured out everything in pursuit of our master. And I don't, you don't need me to tell you that it only takes one diagnosis, one accident, one house fire, one financial crash, one market crash, one property bubble bursting, whatever it is, to prove the lie that money can give you ultimate security to be completely false. And Jesus says, guys, don't make money your master. Don't let it blind you with its lies. Make God your master. And if you put your ultimate hope in God, if you put your hope in him, if you make him your master, he won't let you down. Your father in heaven, who loves you more than anything you could possibly imagine, if you make him your treasure, you will walk in the light of, of the grace and love of a powerful God who controls all and has poured himself out for you. Make him your master. Don't make money your master. Money is a terrible, terrible master. So, that's why money is so dangerous. Why it can lead us to walk in the dark. How do we walk in the light? How do we make sure that we don't get things upside down? That our vision of reality isn't turned on its head? And how do we make sure that we, live in, uh, we don't get blurred by these lies that money is trying to tell us? How do we make sure we live with a, with a true vision of reality when it comes to money? How do we walk in generosity over greed? As I said before, I think the, verse is in, the key verse is verse 22. And that verse is sandwiched in the middle. It says, The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. That word healthy in this verse could be translated as single or sound, singular. He's saying a healthy, singular, focused, sound, good eye is full of light. If money can distort our vision of reality by turning things upside down and blinding us with lies, according to Jesus, the key to walking in the light is to have a singular, healthy, sound, 
vision of God and the gospel. That's what verse 22 is telling us. The key to walking in the light is to have a clear vision of who God is and who God is for you. And when you have that correct vision and focus, when it's singular and sound, when you see that right, your whole existence is filled with light. That's what verse 22 is saying. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it also says this. And, and church, this is, this is the truth that, it, that that verse is trying to get you to be filled with, right? This is, this is what we should be focusing on. This is our vision of reality. This is what God says is true of us, the people of God through Christ. It says this, but you are a chosen race. You are chosen by God, a royal priesthood. You're in the, the royal family of heaven with a purpose. You're, you're in the priesthood. You, you've got a purpose. You are a holy nation. You are holy. All of your sin has gone and been dealt with. You are a people for his own possession. You're the treasure of God. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That is who you are in Christ. You are chosen, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own treasured possession. You are, you are the treasured possession of the living God. You are his. You have been bought. You have been redeemed, purchased at the price of the blood of his son. You're chosen to be sons and daughters. And when your eye is singularly focused on that truth, when you have a, a healthy vision of what Jesus has won for you in the gospel, when you see clearly your God-given, Jesus-won identity, your whole existence will be flooded with his marvelous light. And you know what? If you have a true and clear vision of who you are in Christ, who God is and who God is for you, I think generosity will flow from that identity. I don't think generosity isn't merely, is, is merely a positive financial choice. I think it's something that overflows from an identity that is flooded with the marvelous light of the gospel. When you have a clear vision of who God is and who you are in God, it will fill your whole existence with light, out of which flows generosity. Because with that clear vision, money won't be able to turn your vision of reality upside down so easily. Because the heavenly treasure of being with the Father who loves you forever will be the drumbeat, the heartbeat of your life. And so using your earthly treasure to store up heavenly treasures, it won't become a chore. It will become like the natural inclination of your heart. Because I am filled with the glorious light of who he has called me to be and who he is for me. Money won't so easily be able to blind you with lies because your security, your significance, your acceptance, your approval is found not in your bank balance, not in the car that you drive or the restaurants that you eat at, but instead is found in the God who calls you his treasured possession who is willing to die in order to make you his own. When your eye is focused on that truth, on that vision of who God is and who God is for you, 
Generosity will flow from that place. Generosity will flow from that place of identity. I really believe that. And you know what? It's not just generosity. It's not just greed over generosity. I know that's the topic of today. It's the same for all of the other topics that we've looked at over the past two and a bit months. When your vision is filled with truth and the knowledge that I am treasured in and delighted in by my Father in heaven, you are empowered to walk in the marvelous light of things that we've already covered. Things like confession, not covering up. Because you know you are safe and loved by God who has dealt with all of your sin past, all of your sin present, all of your sin future. That it's all been dealt with. And so you can walk in the light of confession, not covering up. You can walk in the light of contentment, not comparison. Because you know that God has chosen you. Specifically, you. To be his possession, to be his treasure. That he has chosen you to be part of the royal priesthood. That you're in the family, the royal family of heaven, and you have a purpose. And so you can walk in contentment, not comparison. You can walk in presence, not loneliness, because you know you are his and he is yours. And he promises never to leave you. And so you can walk in presence, not loneliness. And I could go on. When your eye is healthy and you have a clear vision, a singular, sound vision of who God is and who God is for you, your whole existence is filled with the marvelous light of the gospel. And from that place, you can walk in generosity, contentment, purpose, forgiveness, presence, devotion, confession, self-control, humility. All those things that we've looked at. All those ways that we've looked at walking in the light. From that place of sound, singular vision on who God is and who God is for you, you are able to walk in, in the light. Okay, so I'm coming to the end now. Um, if the band could come up, that would be great. I, I just, I just want to close this series by us standing together in prayer. Yeah, I want us to close by, by turning all of this into a prayer before God. Um, I'd love us to pray that God would completely fill our collective vision, our collective sight, with an overwhelming vision of his goodness and his grace in the gospel. And because of that, that singular, sound, healthy vision of who God is and who God is for us, that collectively we would be a people who increasingly walk in the light, walk in the marvelous light of who he has called us to be and who he is for us. So, let's pray. Maybe, maybe if, you, if you want, put, put out your hands to... Just represent receiving from God. Father, we, we love you. Thank you that you call us with all of our flaws and our weaknesses, all of our past sin, to be a people for your own possession, that you call us your treasure. And we stand before you today as a church family and we want our our vision, our sight, our spiritual eyes to be filled with the glory of your gospel. That's what we want, Lord. We want our spiritual sight to be filled 
with the marvelous light of who you are and who we are in you. And we we want that vision to, to flood us with your light. We want to be a people who walk in the light of the gospel of Jesus. And I ask right now, in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, for the Holy Spirit to to start to fill us, to start to singularly and soundly focus our vision on that. Focus our vision on who you are and who we are in you. And Lord, we want to walk in your light. We want to walk in your marvelous light. We want to be a church that does that. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, keep coming, keep moving, keep speaking. We love you, Lord. Amen.